Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Wednesday, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein's TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your host, yeah, yeah, that fella, you know him. The fella that interviewed a boxing superstar on last night's sports bar. Oh, I missed it! Don't worry, it will be on this podcast, that's the point of this podcast, the best bits from the last 24 hours on TalkSport, yeah, you get it. Anyway, we start with The Breakfast Show and the wonderful Laura Woods alongside Freddie Flintoff and Ali McQuist. And after it was revealed that Meza Ozo had rejected Arsenal's 12.5% pay cut, it wasn't the German who Ali was annoyed with, it was the teammate who grasped him up. You know what they say inside, eh? Snitches get stitches. I mean, do they say that? Anyway, this is what he said. Also tells you about the quality of teammate that he's dealing with because he's effectively got a snitch in his dressing room. And no matter what you think of Meza Ozo, I think it's completely out of order that a private conversation... Um, regarding a wage reduction has been made public and it's been made public for a reason to make him look bad going going further taking the, the, the issue of the of the wage reduction to one side straight away he's got a problem with somebody in that dressing room of that there is absolutely no doubt I've read so many good things about Mesut Ozil you know what he's wanting to do and what he's done for charities all over the place but in the current climate when you see so much so many people not just in sport I'm talking about all over the country doing so many good things and giving up a lot for, for, for other people. It's a, it's a story that doesn't look good on Mesut Ozil. But I think it says more about what's going on within the Arsenal club at this moment in time. That could, I mean, could you imagine a story like that coming out of Liverpool or, or Manchester City at this moment in time regarding one of the players? It just wouldn't happen because they are solid as a team, they're solid as a unit, and I think it tells you more about Arsenal and indeed maybe Mesut Ozil standing in that dressing room that somebody... Somebody has tried to damage him, PR-wise. Here's Katie Price's ex, Simon Jordan, alongside Jim White and Natalie Sawyer, with a slightly different take on things regarding MO. <clears throat> There's a lot of, that goes around about his salary. And yes, I don't think in any shape or form he's merited the salary that he's got on a consistent basis. If he is one standing out for not wanting to do a deferral, the, the dressing room has agreed a 12.5% pay cut, and I really don't understand, irrespective of how generous he is elsewhere, why his, the football club that he plays for is not a concern for their well-being as much as it is for the rest of the squad. He's an easy target. He's a target that will land at, but then he, if he wants to make himself a target, if everyone else is agreeing to a 12.5% pay cut and he doesn't want to agree to it, then he's going to be a target. Now we can hear from Hannah Moore, the daughter 
of NHS fundraising, here, it says here, hero, legend, Captain Tom. And after 28 million pounds, wow, 28 million pounds, that's incredible. Anyway, after 28 million pounds had been raised, that's so far as well. She admitted she could not have predicted the reaction they would have received. This was on The Breakfast Show with Laura Woods. This has happened to us really in the space of a week. We only came up that original source of idea two, only two weeks ago. Um, it's so new. And we knew we had a lovely story to share. Of course, we couldn't have contemplated the impact that story's had and the connection that Tom has created with the British public and beyond. So pride is, is you know, we don't really have the words to describe how we feel if we're really honest. Staying with that show, this is Freddie Flintoff on a dressing room prank on his former coach, David Bumble Lloyd, getting his clothes snipped. And in the dressing room, I remember one year, we had um, Bumble, David Lloyd was coach of Lancashire. And last game of the season, we got beat um, in two and a half days of a four-day game by Derby. And someone did Bumble's clothes. And he was in the dressing room. And he was he was like having a go at the side, shouting and screaming at him as he's getting dressed. He someone snipped his socks, he pulled his socks up to his knees. Someone had done his undies. As he was as he was mid-rant, he's pulled his undies up and they've been snipped. His undies were by his nipples, and then it, all of his clothes had been done, and he just stormed out the dressing room. And then rumour has it, he blamed Michael Atherton for it. And he got a ton of manure delivered to Michael Atherton's drive and just dumped. Because it, it's, 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 it's one thing being the brunt of a joke, Ali, but you've got to set your standard on the comeback. You can't be letting people get away with it. You've got to set your no, standard. No, You've got to get the right 100%. person, though, as well, surely. What if you get the wrong person and you've dumped a load of manure on their driveway? doesn't matter. You're setting your standard. <laughs> Don't do me again. It doesn't matter. Just pick someone. They had the Liverpool legend Ian Rush on drive time with Adrian Durham and Darren Goff. And he believes, this is Rushy, not Goffy, if they end up not getting the title, oh, that would be awful. Oh, don't say that. That's not, no, you sound horrible, bud. No, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? 25 points clear, only need two wins and they don't get the title. Yep. I mean, there's no need to be nasty. No, I'm just saying that would be, all right, let's just move on. Blimey. Anyway, he said if they end up not getting the title, oh, that would be, yes, I've heard you. The Reds deserve some kind of recognition. I, listen, I say give them half. A little half half a title, maybe a, a smaller version of the trophy, is what I say. This is what Rushy had to say. The way Liverpool have played this season, no, they've been absolutely unbelievable. They've been incredible. I do think they deserve the, the, the Premiership. Uh, I think the way they've played, they've entertained, they've been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I do think feel that no, they, they should be recognised because they have broken records. Well, we're talking about Liverpool Football Club now. They're, they're, they're an incredible club, in our view. And this team, they've actually broken records, which no other Liverpool team have done. And put that into perspective, it's, uh, it just goes to show uh, what a great job the players have done and what a great job Jurgen Klopp has done. Now, the former Leicester City, Chelsea and German defender, Robert Huth, joined the guys on Wyatt and Sawyer and admitted he still finds it hard to believe he won a Premier League title with the Foxes, a.k.a. Leicester. Probably guess you get daily reminders, don't you? Uh, people just coming up to you on the on the street and just genuinely being happy for you that you you know that they got to sort of witness you know Leicester winning the league. 
Yeah. Um, but obviously it's great. Even now, like you put the TV on and you get the the season reviews on on Sky and all that, you know. So yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Certainly, I didn't think when I left Berlin when I was 16 that I'd be in a position now to you know to chat to you and about the the winning the Premier League. Back now to the breakfast show, and they were discussing the sportsman who made them fall in love with sport. And Freddie had a bit of a left field admission. When I was a kid growing up, I was into snooker. I used to like snooker in the 80s. Yeah. And my mum's mate, Susan, she used to work at the Preston Guildhall. She was like an usher, so we used to get free tickets. So we used to go and watch the snooker. And Steve Davis, I know he wasn't the most exciting. (laughs) I know he wasn't the most exciting snooker player, but I used to love Steve Davis. And the first autograph I ever got, and it's the first time I was ever in the newspaper, Lancashire Evening Post, when I was about six and a half, seven, coming out of the Guildhall, and with my mum and my auntie Ennis, my mum's holding me up, getting Steve Davis's autograph. And it was the first time that I was ever in the paper. I used to love Steve Davis. I used to love that man. I actually quite liked Ronnie when I was younger, Ronnie O'Sullivan. And when I was really young, it's really weird because Ali, you on, on Question of Sport were, were someone that I just adored. I loved you. You were so popular with, with so many people. Was he popular with you, Fred, as well? I've I've got a bit of um, an admission here because I went on Question of Sport I think when I was I was twenty and I went on there and I'm not I don't know much I didn't know much about sport my own sport or anything and I was so nervous but I was on Ali's team but I was so nervous about meeting Ali McCoy you got no you've got no you've got no understanding of it I'd seen you play football <laughs> all over the TV you're a big star Question of Sport was massive. You're a captain of Question of Sport. Nah. And here I am, this charlatan sat next to you, don't know a thing about sport. I'll never forget as well, you started telling some jokes, you and John Parrott. It was about, you got on the theme of chocolate and you were saying, oh, don't whisper. And then uh, John, Parrott, John Parrott says, well, the next one's a small teaser. And I had all these, I had all these chocolate gags in my head, but... I bottled it. I couldn't use it because I was sat next to you. I thought, oh, I could say something here and Ali McCoy's ain't going to laugh. So I just melted and kept my mouth shut. <clears throat> well, you should have You should have said something because I'd have given you a boost. You know that. I know, I, I know that. <laughs> oh, are you a bounty? <laughs> <Take your t- laughs> now we can hear from the former Aston Villa striker Gabby Agbonlahor revealing his recent struggles with coronavirus symptoms and the support he received from a Villa legend. It was like an evening on um, a Sunday and I started getting like these big, like hard migraines. And then um, the next couple of days I was getting hot sweats in the night, um, fatigue, then the cough come later on. Um, so it was, of course, of like 10 days. So it was all the symptoms for coronavirus, but I didn't get tested, you know. I just kept myself indoors, kept myself in bed, and sort of um, it sort of went away, you know, after 10 days. But it was nothing nice, you know. It was horrible. It's probably the worst thing I've been through, to be honest. But luckily, I, my body was able to fight it by itself. And um, my good friend, Stylian Petrov, and his wife kept um, leaving stuff on my doorstep, you know, like um, vitamins and um, different things. So I um, owe a lot to him and um, my next door neighbour as well was helping a lot. So, yeah, it was good to get over it and, um, you know, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Time now to hear from the former England cricket captain Nasser Hussein, also on The Breakfast Show, and he said he's concerned the 100 tournament won't be going ahead this summer. 
I think everyone's just waiting, like yours, with uh, all the sports, really, to find out what the government are going to say, and it's all on government advice. Uh, we were going to, obviously, you know, ECB were going to launch their flagship tournament, the 100, uh, this summer. You know, that must be in serious doubt. That needs A, world-class players, um, which aren't going to travel. They can't travel. And B, it needs crowds. And, you know, I can't see them playing with massive crowds in, in the near future, so the best we can hope for is maybe some test matches behind some behind closed doors, some T20 blast cricket. Um, I think we'd take whatever we are given at the moment. Jason Cundy here, and you're listening to Talksport Daily. <laughs> I'm just just reading a very funny story from Darren Goff on how he bought his BMW Z3. <laughs> oh, I'll let him tell it in his words. I just uh, got divorced, um, just had my benefit year, and I was driving to a game in Bradford, and I passed, I'd never, I'd, I'd seen obviously the film, and I went and passed the showroom, and it was raining, and I had my whites on at the ground, which is about four miles from this area, I didn't tell anyone, I got back in my car when we were raining, no play before lunch, went back to the showroom and bought the car. No way. Yeah, Z3 <laughs> was there, in the, knowing it's outside the shop. Yeah. It was right there outside the showroom. Drove past it in the morning. I was thinking about it for about two hours. It was raining. I had my whites on. Literally got in my car, drove to the showroom and bought it. I deli- got it delivered uh, five days later. Hold on, you bought a BMW in your cricket kit? Yeah, Z3. <laughs> <laughs> Just how on, on that, how decadent is that? This how, is years ago. This, elite when would it have been this? That? About 2000? When was this? 2000 about three or two or something. It was something like that, wasn't it, when they came out and I literally went and just <laughs> bought it and had it delivered. It was black. It was fantastic. What That's car. superb. That's yeah. brilliant. Probably lost about 20 grand on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sell it. Now, on the sports bar last night, we were lucky enough to have an absolute boxing legend superstar, Irish Mickey Ward, who was involved in three of the greatest fights ever against the Toro Gatti, the first one producing in round 9 and 10, the two greatest rounds in boxing's history. And would you believe it, I sent him a little DM on Instagram a couple of weeks ago and I went, do you want to come on the sports bar? And he replied and went, yeah, all right. And this is what happened when he did. I want to talk about the, the trilogy, the fight between you and Atoro Gatti. Um, my first question to you about it is um, when you agreed to take the fight, when it was made, did you have any idea, any inkling whatsoever, just how difficult an opponent he was going to be and the fact that you would fight more than once? Did you have any idea just what a battle you two would go through? No, I had no idea. I mean, I knew it would be like a, a good fight, you know, uh, how exciting or how like many times would fight i had no idea i just thought it'd be the one time and that would be it but um you know i I really don't believe anyone gave me much of a chance of beating him you know they they figured it'd be a good brawl or whatever for a while until he caught up to me but it just ended up me beating him that first one it turned into what it turned into but uh Mm. i never really realized it at all um going into it that it would be like it was end up a trilogy What, what are your memories of that first fight being really ready i was ready and more I was more, never more ready for a fight than that one. Uh, 
trained very hard. I, I sparred hard. I ran crazy hard. And uh, I was ready, you know. I, I just I, I just knew I could do it. Uh, other people didn't give me a chance or give me a, you know, there's no way he's going to beat him. Uh, which, you know, hey, they had the right, you know, because I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I had that really supposedly in his league or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, I, I proved them wrong. I have to talk to you about the fact that... Um your um, incredible comeback and rise to fame was made into a film 10 years ago, The Fighter, starring Mark Wahlberg. Just tell us a bit about how that came about. Were you friendly with him beforehand or was it a phone call out of the blue? What happened? I, I had known Mark for a little bit. I didn't know him really all. I mean, I knew he knew who I was. He, he, he told me, uh, you know, he's from Dorchester, Mass. He's only like 10 minutes from Boston or five minutes from Boston. I'm like, I'm like 40 minutes from when Mark grew up. Uh, you know, so he knew me my whole career, I, he said, and... But I never really knew him, like, personally, you know, until, like, uh, I met him a few times. But I, I got to meet him before the film started and stuff, you know. So uh, he's a good guy. He, did, he mm. did a real good job. Are you happy with the film? Or is there anything, any parts you'd have changed? Uh, I was very happy with it, you know. I you know, But uh, I didn't get knocked down in that championship fight. But I didn't put it in there for uh, for excitement. But I said, well, why? <laughs> thanks for getting me knocked down and make it exciting. Mm. <laughs> Do you, I know you're involved in boxing, and we'll talk about that in just a moment still, but do you miss it? Do you miss the thrill of training for a fight, getting into a ring? Do you miss all of that or not, getting hit? Well, that's the only thing I really miss is the training and the shape, conditioning. I don't miss it. I, you miss the excitement a little bit, but I don't miss, like, all the... Uh, I don't miss it, you know I mean? I miss the conditioning the people around the game and boxing and all that, but uh, do I miss getting hit? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. That's it for another uh, podcasting thing. Well done. Good good work, everyone. Of course, if you've missed anything, you can download it on ASA. ASA. That stands for um, <clears throat> audio. Um, no, I don't know. I can't remember what it is. But you know, it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and, and ACAS. I've done it. I've remembered. Good work, Colty. Uh, for those of you missing regular horse racing, we have excellent news for you. From 11 a.m. today, we have exclusive national radio commentary from Happy Valley in Hong Kong. Our coverage of this high-quality meeting includes all nine races. That's from 11am over on TalkSport 2. You can download the app and swipe left or ask your smart speaker to play TalkSport 2 like this. Hey Google, play TalkSport 2. Hey, sorry, I've never heard of TalkSport 2. Anyway, yours should... Uh, That's it, that's all we've got time for on this podcast. I'll be back tonight for the third Sports Bar of the week from 10pm with the fellow with that massive-shaped, stupid, funny-looking head, Jason Candy. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening and downloading. Keep your distance, wash your hands, and um, above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.